Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. For the soldier, the belt is is where he could place his weapons, he could place his equipment, the things that he needed. The belt served a very practical purpose. It, it, It kept his garment together. It kept his pants from falling on the ground. Soldiers on the battlefield know the importance of their equipment. Boots, a helmet, body armor, and their weapon, among other things, all contribute to the safety of the soldier and their success in battle. And what's true in physical battle is also true in spiritual battle. A soldier who was pierced in the heart, you might as well start writing the letter home now because he's finished, he's done. The heart of the matter is righteousness. Righteousness is our protection of our heart. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. We're in the middle of our series, Modern Family, here at Cross Culture. And today, Pastor Clay is taking us to the second half of Ephesians chapter 6 and the Apostle Paul's discussion on the spiritual armor we as followers of Jesus must put on if we're going to have victory against our enemy. Last week, Pastor Clay talked about the need to wake up to the enemy coming against us and the battle before us. This week, the focus is on dress up by putting on the armor needed to not only defend ourselves against the enemy, but to actually defeat him. When it comes to this armor of God that we're talking about, there should be a practical enterprise. And the practical enterprise, quite honestly, looks like this. Living as the people of God, for the glory of God, in the power of God, victorious over the enemy of God. That's where we're trying to get. And putting on God's armor is a huge part of that. The family is under attack, and it's up to us to prepare for battle. Thanks for joining us today for this important message. Now here's Pastor Clay. Last week, uh, we were in Ephesians chapter 6. We looked at just uh, four verses, verses 10 through 13. And the theme of last week basically was uh, that we have to wake up. We have to be awake to the reality of the enemy that is around us. We have to be awake. We have to be alert. To, as the Apostle Paul says, to his schemes, his methodias, his methods, his plans, the way that he tries to ensnare us and trap us and all this kind of thing. So Paul starts out, uh, as he's closing out this section on families and he's moving into this, this spiritual armor, he, he starts it out by saying, be alert, you know, wake up, stand firm, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we walked through that uh, last week. That was wake up. This week is, uh, is dress up. Uh, this week in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14, and we'll read to the end of the chapter through 24, uh, there is this, uh, this commandment to dress up, to put on the armor of God, uh, to, to walk through these, uh, these uh, spiritual components. And uh, some of you are aware that the Apostle Paul, it is... Uh, believed was in prison. We know he's in prison at the time that he wrote this letter. Uh, and uh, most scholars believe that he was probably chained to a, to a Roman soldier, a guard at this point. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he uses uh, this guard sitting there and his armor that he has on. He used, begins to make spiritual application of the various pieces of armor that the uh, soldier has on. Okay? You with me? So, um, uh, 
we, there is this, there is this uh, mandate to dress up, to put on the armor of God, uh, to, 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 to mentally, spiritually, mentally walk through this process of putting on this armor. But it needs to be understood, and, and I emphasize it always needs to be understood, and this is really kind of the, uh, the, the BP squared, this is kind of the big picture biblical principle, overarching principle that we're going to get to. It, it needs to always be remembered, and here's the way I, I put it this morning, that putting on the armor is a mental exercise for a practical enterprise. In other words, just walking through um, all right, Lord, I'm putting on the belt of, of truth and I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness and I'm taking, you know, it, just walking through that mentally, uh, it, which, I, which I encourage you to do, by the way. That is a great exercise to get into, to the this idea of putting on this armor of God. Before you get out of bed in the morning, and it won't take you long to, uh, you can either run through it, read through it, or it won't take you long to memorize it. And even through your head, you can begin to say, Father, right now, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. May you protect my mind. Just to kind of walk through it. To do that, to walk through those things mentally is, is something I certainly encourage you to do. But that's not enough. If it's simply a mental exercise, then you, that, that you're not accomplishing what is intended to be accomplished. It has to be something more. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like the people that, that are taught the Lord's Prayer. You know, the Lord's Prayer as they're growing up and they're taught to recite that. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Right? Y'all have heard that prayer before. Right? <laughs> All right? Nothing wrong with the prayer. But, but if it's just words, then it's just words. You know what I'm saying? And so when it comes to this armor of God that we're talking about, to simply mentally uh, have this mental exercise where I go through, it's not enough. There should be a practical enterprise. And the practical enterprise, quite honestly, looks like this. Uh, the biblical concept of belief results in an action. And so here's the practical enterprise. Living as the people of God for the glory of God in the power of God, victorious over the enemy of God. Somebody surely ought to say amen after that. Let's say it together. Can we say that together? Living as the people of God for the glory of God in the power of God, victorious over the enemy of God. That's the enterprise. That's the, that's the objective. That's where we're trying to get. And putting on God's armor is a huge part of that. Not just a mental exercise. I must, I must receive it. I have to acknowledge that this is his armor. It's his strength. I'm putting this on and then I have to believe it. And as I said just a moment ago, it's really important to understand that belief always results in an action. The practical enterprise. Okay? All right. Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse uh, uh, 14, beginning this morning. Then we're beginning in 14, aren't we? Y'all listening, listening quickly? All right. Good. Uh, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And in addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert. With all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains." 
that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. Tychius, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Father, thank you for so great a love that is possible, made possible only because of your incorruptible love that has worked in our hearts and in our lives and drawn us unto yourself and saved us in your timing. Perhaps most of us, Lord, I don't know the spiritual condition of every person in this room or every person who who may watch this message or listen to it. On iTunes, I don't know. I, I don't know where every person is, but I, I do believe I know where you want them to be. And that is in a relationship with you. And so today, as we uh, who are followers of Jesus walk through uh, this, this armor, and this putting it on, this mental exercise, may you, uh, Holy Spirit, make it a practical enterprise in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here we go. Let's, uh, let's uh, see how far uh, we get this morning in looking at some of these. We're going to start with, where, with, of course, with the first one the Apostle Paul starts with, which is truth. Everything hangs on it. 14a, part of verse 14, again, stand firm, therefore. And, he, and if you were with us last week, you know how many times he said that over and over. Stand firm, put, you know, all this kind of stuff. Stand firm, he says one, one more time. Stand firm, therefore, or here's how you do it, having Gird it your loins with, say it, truth. Truth. The, uh, the analogy, the comparison is to the, the, the soldier's belt. The belt that the soldier wore uh, in, his, in his preparation uh, for battle. The NCV and, and some other translations translated like this. So stand strong with the belt of truth tied around your waist. Truth, ladies and gentlemen... Everything, look at me, everything hangs on truth. Obviously, uh, for the soldier, this belt uh, is, what, is what held everything together, right? The belt is, is where he could, he, could, he could place his weapons, he could place his equipment, the things that he needed to keep at hand. The belt allowed him to do that. The belt served a very practical purposes, purpose. It, it, it kept his garment together. It, it, it kept his pants from falling on the ground. Right? Right? Y'all are just, y'all are wanting to sing that song right now so bad, y'all can't stand it, aren't you? Listen, looking, looking like a fool, like a dead fool with your pants on the ground if you're a soldier and you go into battle and, 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 you, and your pants are on the ground. You, you can't, you, you can't, you understand? You can't do it. You have to, you have to have truth. You have to be able to stand on that truth. It's vital. And listen, I don't even have to tell you this. We're living more and more in, in a culture and in a world where truth, where the truth is either being distorted or discarded. And that's, and that's just the truth. Listen, I, this is kind of a, little, a few years old. Uh, I'm sure it's only gotten worse, but uh, uh, a, a Barna, George Barna, he's a, does some research on culture and that sort of thing. Uh, 2009, Barna Research uh, revealed this about people's perception of truth. And here's what he said. This is what they found. One third of all adults, 
34% of all adults surveyed believe that moral truth is absolute and unaffected by circumstances. I'm glad nobody clapped for that because that's not, that's not good. We're going to turn around the other way, okay? That means, I'm not a math genius, but I'm pretty sure that means that two-thirds of all the people surveyed, or 66%, do not believe in moral absolute truth. That truth can shift, right or wrong can shift, depending on the circumstances in which you might find yourself. Listen, more shocking than that was what, this is what Barna found. More shocking than that, slightly less than half of the born-again adults. In other words, people who would profess to be evangelicals, born again, adopted into the family of God by the grace of God, been saved from sin, they would, they would identify as a born-again believer. Less than half of them said that they believed in absolute moral truth. Houston, we have a problem. And the problem is a majority of our culture does not know and apparently does not care to know absolute truth and whether it is. And listen to me, everything hangs on truth. It is essential for our lives. And one of the things that strikes me about truth, and, and, and Barna is very clear to say that they don't believe in absolute moral truth, okay? But if you think about it, why, you know, why can you believe in some absolute truths but not moral truths? I mean, if you're going to say you don't believe in absolute, absolute truth, then just say you don't believe in absolute truth. Well, you know, I, you know, I don't know. It might depend on a person's circumstance as to whether that this was right or, or that was wrong or whatever. You ever, you ever find somebody? You ever run into somebody like that? Maybe you feel that way yourself. Well, you know, it just kind of depends. Next time you have somebody like that, next time somebody says, well, you know, I don't know about absolute truth. I'm just not sure that I believe in absolute truth. I think that's an antiquated idea. And next time somebody says that to you, or, or maybe you're that, here's what you do. You say, listen, let's go up the RBC building, downtown Raleigh. Let's go to the top floor. And, and why don't you just, just say, listen, I, don't, I think the, the, the absolute uh, truth of the law of gravity, I think that's, that's a, a time. It's time has come and gone. I just, I just don't believe in absolute truth. And I just don't think there's no reason that, that I can't fly if I want to fly. And, and just just... Bail out. Just see, you know, let me know how that works for you. Actually, your next of kin will have to let me know how that works for you because, because you will be dead. You'll be dead. And I, so what I'm saying to you is, is this, this, this truth of absolute truth is revealed to us in nature, in science, in, in everywhere. God established laws. And it's critical. If, if you're a person that happens to be a... Uh, or you know somebody that's an anti-God person? What well, I've always said, listen, it's, it's real easy. If, if you, the whole believe in God and this whole Jesus thing, it's real easy. All you got to do is prove what happened to the body because Christianity claims that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, right? We believe that it's an absolute truth. So just prove what happened to the body other than the fact that he literally rose from the dead. Just prove it and... And we can all go home because none of this will matter because Jesus isn't God. And you understand what I'm saying? Everything hangs on truth. And you and I have to understand. So here's the best thing we need to do. Here's what we need to do. We need to know truth, speak truth, and live truth. We have to know it. How do we, how do we know it? Well, we know it in lots of ways. We know it in science. We know it in nature. We know d- different laws that are established. But obviously when we're talking about moral truth, we know it as revealed in the Word of God. And I'll, I'll have more about that. Um, uh, later on, but uh, we, we know that it's absolute. We have to know truth. And I, I just dumbfounded the more and more I talk with people that seem to just not 
know what is true. And to not just know truth, but to be able to speak truth. And yes, it will probably cost you some friends. Uh, you'll probably be looked at as a weirdo in your neighborhood. Uh, all kinds of things. I don't know. But it is, it is, is being able to share with your children. Being able to share with your family. Is being able to share with those who ask you. This is what God says truth is. By the way, you, you can always say that too. You don't have to say, well, this is what I believe. You can say, this is what God says. You can just remove yourself completely from the equation if you want. This is what God says that is truth. And then we have to live truth. You guys know this. Nothing, nothing, nothing turns somebody off more. Nothing turns a neighbor off, a coworker, or a, a child. Nothing turns them off more than for a person to say they believe one thing and live another way. To, to be who they are on Sunday and then a different person Monday through Saturday. You know what I'm saying? We, we have to live truth. We have to live truth. And, and you've probably seen this. The Apostle James says, uh, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're, you're just fooling yourselves. We have to know it. We have to speak it. And we have to live it. Truth. Everything hangs on truth. Second, righteousness. It is the heart of the matter. Again, verse uh, 14, stand firm, having girded your lines with truth, and, will you read that second part with me? And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate, in, for a Roman soldier, the, the, the breastplate, as you could imagine, protected most of the vital organs of the soldier. Most particularly, it was designed to protect the heart. A soldier might... Uh, be wounded in another part of his body and be able to continue to, uh, to fight, at least for some time. But a soldier who was pierced in the heart, you might as well start writing the letter home now because he, he's, he's, he's finished, he's done. The heart of the matter is righteousness. Righteousness is our breastplate. It's the protection of our heart. Uh, some of you guys remember probably a few years ago when the... the uh, crocodile man, Steve Irwin, died. And he didn't die. It wasn't in war. It was a, it was a freak accident. But while he was diving uh, with stingrays and he got too close and, and uh, stingrays tail kind of flipped up and shot its barb. And just in a freak accident, the barb pierced his heart. And, and he was dead probably before he even realized hardly what had happened. The heart, the heart. Paul says, writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, Righteousness, my righteousness is the protection for your heart. That's how you protect your heart. That's how you guard your heart. That's how you keep your heart safe. Listen, I wonder, I wonder how many, how many young ladies, how many women have, have ignored God's standard of righteousness because of some guys wooing and been pierced in the heart. And they realize he just wanted to use them and lose them. I can tell you in my own, in my own personal life, that the times when I have ignored the righteous standards of God, when I have made decisions not based on the righteousness of God, I can tell you in my own life that I, every time I've been pierced to the heart by sin, righteousness becomes the standard. Listen, both God's standard of righteousness and God's provision for righteousness. Do you understand? Both of them are critical for my life. As a matter of fact, 
the truth is, I wouldn't even have any righteousness if it were not for God himself. The the prophet Isaiah, maybe you've read this, Isaiah chapter 64, the prophet Isaiah says, For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. In other words, when we're operating in our own, when, when there's this idea that, well, I, I can be good enough or I'll impress God or, or I'll impress the, ne- the, the neighbors and I'll just be this good person. And, and God says it's a filthy garment. And all of us wither like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. It is God's standard of righteousness and his provision of righteousness. Listen, I've said this for years. Some of you heard me say this. I've said this for years. God is not, that sounded kind of preachery when I said that, didn't it? God God is not the cosmic killjoy of the universe looking to to ruin everybody's party by by establishing standards of, of moral behavior. God's righteous standards are for our good. Do you hear what I said? Let me say it again. God's Moral standards are for our good. God's do's and don'ts, are they, as they're sometimes referred to, are actually for our good. God's rights and God's wrongs are actually for our good. That's why he establishes boundaries and, and says, don't cross over this. Don't go into this area. Don't do this in your life. It is because God has your good at heart. God has your, your heart is his interest. God loves you and he wants to protect you and me. And his righteousness is our breastplate. Again, we live at a time, wow, we live at a time when basically the, the belief is, is that every person should be able to live and do as they feel they ought to be able to do and no one has a right to say anything else no one has a right to condemn or or to say that this is not right or that 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 should not be uh, acceptable no one has a right to do that the golden rule y'all know this i'm not telling anything you know the golden rule of the culture in which we live is if what i do isn't hurting anybody it isn't anybody's business that is the golden rule of today, right? If what I do isn't hurting anybody, it isn't anybody else's business. So let's just say, this is certainly a, a hot button topic. Let's say in the area of uh, sexual morality, God's standard of sexual morality, right? God has some standards. He says how, how men and women should live and what what his rules are and, and when physical relationships should go on and, and what marriage, all that kind of stuff. God has, would you agree, God has moral standards in that area? As long as what I do doesn't hurt anybody, it isn't anybody else's business. Did you ever stop to think about the fact that in the area of sexual morality, for instance, if God's standard of sexual morality were, were practiced by a culture, by our world, do you ever stop to think about this? If, if God, it's just, God's, just in that one area, if just God's standard of sexual morality were practiced, in the world today, STDs, sexually transmitted diseases, would virtually disappear from our planet, including AIDS. Do you know how many people have died? It's estimated from AIDS. 39 million people, it's estimated, have, have died from AIDS. Not hurting anybody? As long as what I'm doing is not hurting anybody? Listen, rape, 
child molestation, uh, robbery, murder, all would disappear if God's righteous standards were followed. Prisons would be empty. Nations would live at peace. You understand? They're for our good. That's what protects our heart. That's God's standard. You will be accused of being narrow-minded or living in a cave or whatever else if you say, here's what God says. Here's what his expectations are in this area of morality or that area of morality or, or whatever else. But Paul says, that's your breastplate. That's what protects your heart. Listen, you want to protect your family? You want to protect your own life? Put on God's breastplate of righteousness. One more idea this morning, real quickly. Peace, something to stand on. Truth, everything hangs on it. Righteousness, the heart of the matter. Peace, it is something to stand on. Verse 15 says this. And having shod your feet, he's walking through, having shod or put on, put onto your feet, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Obviously, a soldier's uh, footwear is a vital part of the equipment in which he, he wears. We probably don't think about it as much. I'll bet, I'll bet soldiers do. Uh, a Roman soldier's uh, footwear uh, was uh, usually some sort of leather sandal or, or, or boot that would be laced up uh, with pieces of leather tightened to his leg, and it would have either leather or perhaps even a piece of metal uh, protecting the, the shin and the ankle and, and that part uh, of his foot. The shoe would often have uh, nails in the bottom of it to give him more stability, to give him more traction. Because, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight or a battle or whatever, but uh, on your back is a tough position to defend. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, so, and so a soldier's uh, ability to stand was critical in, in the face of battle. They had to know that they had good footing as good as they could possibly get. And the Apostle Paul, guess what he says? He says, your footing, what you can stand on is the gospel of peace. You know, you got, most of you guys probably know this, the word gospel simply means good news. And the good news is, is that ladies and gentlemen, because of God, because of what God has done, you and I have peace, peace. Uh, right now in your life, you may be saying, you haven't been to my house lately. I'm not, I'm not, I didn't say whether you are operating in the peace available to you, but I'm saying that peace is available to you. And look at it real quick. I know we, we know we got to go through this kind of quick. Look at this. There is first, there is peace with God. You have to start there. There is peace with God. Uh, look at uh, Romans chapter five, uh, verse one, and, and then picking up verse six. Therefore, Having been justified by faith, we have, say it, peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. You know who the ungodly are? You and me. Christ died for the ungodly. Uh, For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God. The wrath of God, like an enemy, be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were, say it, 
enemies. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We have peace with God. And that is huge. Uh, Also in the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, once you were dead. In other words, you were separated. You were not in relationship. You were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. All of us. Following uh, the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. Just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. We have peace with God. You understand now why they call it the good news? You and I would have no hope were it not for the for the good news of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for our sins. It's peace with God. But notice this also. It is peace from God. And that's where you may be in your life right now or what may be going on. Some of your stuff, just unrest or turmoil or just, I just don't have peace in my life. Listen, uh, Jesus said this, John chapter 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give peace to you as the world gives. How does the world give peace? Circumstances are good, things are going well, then then I'm good, right? I don't give peace as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. And then uh, Philippians chapter 4. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Watch this. What, what happens? Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I, I, I don't know if y'all saw this, this story, but uh, just this past week, there, there's this, this, this ultra wealthy family um, in Florida. Uh, he found it some uh, resort things or you know, timeshare things or whatever. And the guy's a, a billionaire, I guess, and all this kind of stuff. They're, they're building a house. They've done some documentaries on it. They're building what is considered the largest uh, privately owned house in America. It's it nicknamed the Versailles House. It's 90,000 square feet. Uh, they've been 11 years in building a house. It's still not finished, what I understand. Um, 90,000 square feet. This past week, uh, their 18-year-old daughter, Victoria, was found dead in their house. And the coroner's doing an autopsy, but preliminary reports were that it was either an accidental drug overdose or, uh, or suicide. Listen, I have no idea about the spiritual beliefs of that family. And my heart breaks for the pain that they are feeling at the loss of their daughter. But I'm saying to you, there is no money in the world... There is no amount of wealth. There is no anything that will bring you this peace that God says he will give you absolutely free if you'll come to him and surrender your life to him. How much do you think somebody would pay for that kind of peace that passes all understanding that would guard your heart and your mind through any and every situation? There's peace with God and peace from God. And the last one, real quickly, is just peace through God. It is possible to have peace in your home through God. It's not, it's not easy. And we don't, sure don't get it right sometimes, right? 
It, but it is possible through the power of God for husbands and wives to live at peace. It is possible for parents and children to live at peace. It is possible for brothers and sisters in the body of Christ to live at peace. We can have peace through God. Why? Because, because it's a recognition that because of God's love, we're able to love others even when they're not acting very deserving of love. Does your husband ever act very, at times, not very deserving of love? Does your wife ever, right? Do your children ever act? Are they perfect angels all the time? Never get, yeah. We can have peace through God. Listen, we won't get it right all the time. There will be times when it will seem rough. But I'm telling you that, God, that Paul says, if you'll do this, if you'll, if you'll put on this armor, not simply a mental exercise, but if you'll make this a practical enterprise in your life, that you will experience this peace in your life. The gospel, the good news of peace, you can stand on that. And anything that comes into your life, any situation, any circumstance, any adversity, allows you to say, no, I I have the peace of God in my life. And I can stand on that. Well, as you heard today, each piece of armor is vitally important. But as Pastor Clay explained, putting on the armor is not simply a mental exercise. It is intended to lead to a practical enterprise. Standing firm against the attacks and schemes of the devil is only possible when we rely on God's power. Each piece of armor is connected back to God. The enemy is strong, cunning, and wicked. But our God is greater, His strength is mightier, and His grace is sufficient to provide all that we need if we will rely on Him. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross Culture Church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to leave.
Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.